This podcast is produced by the ABA Journal. We bring you the latest legal news every day from around the web. Visit us online at abajournal.com. Google Plus launched in June, and although it's still in beta, the site now has more than 25 million users, many of whom are scratching their heads about what to do with it now that they're signed up. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward, and today on the ABA Journal podcast, we're discussing how lawyers can use a new site for learning and networking, among other things. Joining me are Ryan Davis, the Social Media Director at Blue State Digital, Mark Schoendorf, a Chicago sole practitioner who has a litigation practice, and Derek Witte, a professor at Cooley Law School whose research includes social media issues. Ryan, in your work, you often advise groups to get individuals supporting their groups to promote events on social media. A great example of that would probably be how Blue State Digital handled Barack Obama's 2008 presidential campaign. Do you see a way lawyers could use that approach to discuss an idea online and in doing so generate interest in their practices? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that social media is is a wonderful way to share information and and to provide thought leadership for any type of field. So the law would definitely uh, fall into that. Um, and I think through the various channels that social media provides, whether it be uh, Google Plus or, or Twitter or Facebook, the ability to syndicate and, and broadcast that content exists as never before. And how do you see that specifically with Google Plus? Can you give me some examples? Well, you know, it's important to think about Google Plus, um, and, and, and it falls in the same sort of uh, network as Facebook or Twitter. So basically, with Google Plus, you can uh, add friends and then broadcast information to friends. Where Google Plus differs is that it allows you to to choose the circles or the groups of friends or uh, coworkers or colleagues or family, whatever you create, those circles, uh, and you can broadcast them individually as opposed to Facebook or, and Twitter, which are more of a, a broadcast across all of your different social or, or work-related channels. Google Plus allows you to be very selective in how you broadcast that information. Okay. Mark, you're on Google Plus, right? Uh, I am on Google Plus. I just joined. Okay. And tell me, what prompted you to join it, and how have you been using it so far? Um, well, what prompted me to join it is, uh, as a solo practitioner, I'm always looking for opportunities to promote myself and for uh, ways to get my name out there and get um, what I do out into the public eye. But I haven't really found a way to use it so far because I found that there aren't there are only so many people on it, and I've noticed that in particular – what I'm getting is I'm getting a lot of, of notifications that I'm being added to other people's circles uh, in a professional capacity. So to me, it seems like the ability to choose what circle you're going to broadcast to seems a little bit like just an extension of the contact groups that Gmail already had. So I'm trying to figure out you know, exactly how I could use it uh, in terms of reaching, you know, I mean, re- reaching as big of an audience as possible. Or, or, or I mean, I, I feel like it's still developing to me. Ryan, do you have thoughts on that? Oh, I, I think that I think that he's exactly right that there isn't an, a massive difference in, in posting something in a circle versus emailing it to an email group that you've set up that has all of your 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 colleagues or or that goes to a certain group of people. Um, and and that's one of the one of the reasons why I I, I don't think Google Plus will grow as fast as uh, uh, as they want to grow because they're really not bringing in something entirely new to the space. Derek, are you on Google Plus? I'm not on Google Plus. And you might ask why. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I think I was really intrigued when it rolled out. I didn't jump in, mostly for two reasons. Is you know I, I'm, I'm leery 
of social media in general and, and have been a late adopter. And uh, Google especially, I've studied their terms of service and how they have conducted themselves in a lot of lawsuits and government investigations. And I am just very critical of, of how they use people's information. So I think that I am taking a more cautious approach. That being said, enough people in my community are pressing me to stop being a curmudgeon. It, it may be time, but I'm, I just this, the entire social media movement I think has has really uh, left privacy in the dust. And anytime anyone brings that up, no one really wants to talk about it, and that concerns me. Okay. Well, I have a question for all of you, I guess, starting with Mark. Do you think what Derek just said, is that pretty common in the profession? Because lawyers do tend to be risk adverse. I've actually seen that uh, concern in a personal uh, matter. I actually know somebody that stopped using Facebook and switched to Google Plus because uh, they actually downloaded, there's apparently a way to download all of your information or to view all the information that has been collected uh, by Facebook, and they looked at it and they were shocked. And they said, you know what, I'm not going to put myself out there. And they are under the impression that Google somehow, you know, isn't as bad, um, that how, somehow the information is more private. But I'm sure uh, that Derek can probably tell us, you know, exactly what Google is collecting. As far as the lawyers, I found that lawyers, especially when it comes to solos, uh, they tend not to not be so concerned about things like that. I think that people are more concerned about if they're going to be using these tools, they're more concerned about using it for marketing and actually generating business. Lawyers are, are in all kinds of varieties. I, the kind of, I kind of make the joke that uh, uh, to be a doctor, you have to be good in science and, and, and in specific fields, but anybody can go to law school. And so you will have people that are very concerned. You know, Their personalities make them concerned about their privacy. And then there are other people that are very enterprising, and, and they don't really see that at, as that big of an issue. For me, um, especially in terms of promoting a, a business or pro promoting myself as an attorney, I feel like there's only so much personal information that, that I'm putting out there because I have a specific business account. So I'm not really concerned about having – I actually want as much information out there as possible. Uh, I kind of view the Google and promoting on, uh, on Google+. Plus as another avenue in terms of getting my name into the ether, the way I see it is the more connections I have, the more my name is out there on the Internet, wherever it is, the more it will benefit me. So I'm not, I'm not so concerned, and I haven't really heard that concern in, yeah. in terms of a professional. Well, I think Mark makes an excellent point because I'm a professor. Uh, <laughs> I, I practiced, I litigated for a little over seven years, and now I teach, and so if I'm on it, it's going to be for more personal reasons, and my analysis and approach is different. If I had my own firm or, or went in that direction, then I want to share everything, and that would be the point. And I think also then everything that you put out there, you're intentionally saying to yourself, if everyone sees this, that's not only is that okay, that's the point. But you know, when you when you look at G plus and you look at Facebook, that's not what they want. That's not what makes them money. They want the personal stuff. They want to target the advertising. They want to be able to sell your preferences uh, about products and services and everything. And so I think that's actually why in this initial phase of Google+, Plus, they've actually told businesses to stay away because they're basically sharing the wealth. They're, they're, they ride the coattails of the social media, the really valuable stuff is that personal information about each individual and that's so when you ask me am i on it that's what i'm leery of but 
uh, when I hear Mark talk, I say, yeah, absolutely. If I had if I had a law firm, I would be on every single site using it to its maximum. Well, Ryan, what are your thoughts on how lawyers should decide what to share and where to share it? Uh, Twitter, Google Plus, and should there be some sort of connection between what they're sharing, or should they have a plan for what they're going to share? I've advised clients who work in the financial services industry or in the corporate consulting industry, other industries that, that require you to be careful and, and, and considerate about what you're posting online. I think that if your account is connected to your professional life, you have to be extra aware of that now, mm-hmm. uh, that everything you put online is, is public. So you really should have some sort of content plan. You know, when I work with an organization, we sit down and we say, you know, what is your offline, uh, what are your offline events, what are your, what, what's your offline PR schedule, and then we try to sync that whole offline world onto the Internet. Uh, so promoting each of those back and forth, and then add additional content uh, to your Internet calendar. So there's things like blog posts and, and uh, you know, sharing thought leadership um, sort of across across all these channels. And I think it's really important to to sync these channels. So to remember that your Facebook audience and your Google Plus audience might be slightly different, so it's important to, to sync that content. And if you're sending out a blog, do it across all of your channels. But be very aware that this information is public. How do you share things so that people want to listen? I know when I signed up on Google Plus, there were some people in my circle that they, I mean, routinely were making posts about what they were having for dinner. Mm-hmm. And honestly, <laughs> I, I, mean, I didn't know much about them before, but I thought it, it made me think it was a little odd after the fact. So how does one decide? Because there is a rule of thumb you should, you should perhaps put some personal things about yourself on there, but how much is too much? When I started a Facebook page for my practice, um, I was, you know, sort of the, one of the first things I said is, hey, like me, um, you know, uh, so you can, my, myself will show up on your page. I promise not to inundate you with, with annoying stuff because I'm very conscious that, 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 you know, there's a certain amount of, you don't want to become the mass mailer of social media. Or Use the megaphone, right. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly, because I, I want to make sure that the information I'm putting out there that is showing up on people's pages either relates to me personally, like, okay, I, I, I won this trial or I had this, good, this great settlement, um, get the word out, or something that, that people can use, you know, what to do if you're in a car accident or, or things like that. But, uh, you know, just to do every little itty-bitty thing. I mean, I, I see some attorneys that I know that are, you know, they're like, I'm at court, it sucks, <laughs> you know, or things didn't go my way or, or whatever it is. That, you know, I don't really need to know the nitty-gritty of their, what they're doing every single day in terms of their professional life. You know, if your copier is not working, I don't think, you're, you know, that helps you as, as a brand or as, as a, you know, in terms of your business or how people view it. Definitely, you actually sort of point out the flip side in your question, though. P- part of the reason that social media is working is because we're inundated with so much data every day we don't know how to the the human nature is to just tune it all out and so in order to actually pay attention it's got to be someone we care about who sort of rises above you know the rabble and and and, oh i like this person there in my life and, and and i will ignore all of the spam and i will not you know, read all of these mass emails, but I want to hear what what Mark is doing or whatever. So in order to keep that powerful, you do have to share some personal stuff. So I don't think just saying it, – it, it's, it's, we tune out the stuff that's all business too or that's just so clearly a professionally marketed campaign through Facebook or Twitter or whatever. I, you also need that personal touch, and so I think it's, it's an art and a, and a balance – Maybe if it's once every few weeks and you say it at the right time, saying how much you enjoyed your favorite bottle of wine on Friday night, people might actually appreciate it. Every meal, 
I don't need that. So, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I think there's definitely some truth to, to what you guys are saying. Uh, it's really important to, to have a bounce. Um, you know, nobody wants to, to follow a, a Twitter account or somebody on Google Plus who's just posting, you know, really heavy-handed law review stuff. You know, there wants to be. You want to have a little bit of personality, sort of in 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 the in the social space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got these uh, Google Plus and Facebook and Twitter that primarily exist for personalities, and then you've got uh, organizations and brands and and politicians all taking over and 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 you know broadcasting sort of their messages out. So it's important to remember that. That people primarily go to these spaces to, to they want to follow a brand or follow personality. They're going to get something a little bit extra, something more than they would get in the in the standard sort of old media way. So they want to they want to know a little bit about you. So I always say it's it's a it's a pretty good uh, way to, to think about it is to divide it up, sort of a third kind of current um, current events relevant news, a third promotional, and then a third um, sort of personal letting people into your life. And whether that's your favorite bottle of wine or you saw a play that you especially enjoyed. Uh, but something that you know highlights your other interests in a smart, a smart way, not just posting a picture of your your breakfast at Denny's. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about the sharing, right? Let's talk about listening. And I'm wondering if there's a lot to listening to Google Plus, particularly with networking and getting clients that maybe lawyers are not realizing. What advice would you give lawyers? You think on listening on Google Plus and finding out things about people that you might want to represent? So Google. Google Plus is, is sort of a, a, list, a less interesting listening platform than something like Twitter is because it's, it's so ingrained in, in these circles. But one, one of the primary strategies that I've had is to, is to circle people who are, in, uh, who, are, who are talking about things that I find especially interesting and then putting them in individual circles. So I have my tech circle or my, my political circle, the people that I'm listening to. Um, and, and, and really, the, you know, the Google has set up sort of ways to do that. You can find people over search. Um, but it's still not as easy as it should be to, to group people by sort of topics that they're talking about. And, and, and if you find people, to find people outside the space and bring them in is easier than to bring people, to find people just on Google+. So there's people you already have connections with on Facebook, Twitter, in the, in the real world. Those are people that you would go to first. So here's, here's what I'm finding on Google+. This is Mark. Um, is that I've, I'm getting notifications, you know, almost every day that somebody has added me to a circle of theirs. And what concerns me is this is only occurring on my business, you know, my, my, my business account, my business profile. And I don't know who most of these people are, I would say. And I'm actually looking at my stream, you know, and it's like I don't really know who this person is. I don't know. It has something to do with, the, with they're doing a little bit of, a, you know, an article or their analysis on an article. And there's also some videos here of some musician. It's sort of like – it's it's really like a mishmash, and it, to me it seems like it's all noise. So every time I, I I get one of those notifications that some person I've never heard of has somehow gotten you know me on their contact list and added me to their their circle for whatever reason, and now I'm getting their information, it, it makes me almost not want to look at it, them at all because I kind of feel like it's I'm it's just all going to be spam. And, and to jump in here for a minute, you you don't have to follow people back. So if someone circles you, as long as you don't circle them back, you'll never see any of their updates. And the only time that anyone who circles you can see your updates is if you put it in a public, I'll make it a public update. But say I just do an update and I just select my work friends, the only people I work with, only my colleagues are going to be able to see that update, nobody who's just randomly circled me. So that allows you to have some control over the, the content that you're distributing and the content that you're reading back. Of course. Well, and Mark, I'm curious, for these people who are following you who you don't know, are they mostly from Illinois? I don't really know. I, some of them have not been. The, the initial ones that I looked at, they seem to be from all over the place. Um, I wonder if maybe they could be a client someday. 
Well, they could be, but, uh, well, you know, that's an interesting question to ask me because I'm originally from California and I moved to Illinois, so uh-huh. I do have a lot of California contacts. Oh, right, you're licensed I've, to practice in California, right? I, I absolutely am. And I right, so for the right for, case, for, yeah. For the right case, it's worth it. But the first couple of people that, that, that did this to me, I was like, who is this person? And they were in Kentucky. And I'm like, how did this random person in Kentucky get my email address to put me in their circle? And as far as, you know, looking at what I see, of course, my stream is very, very limited, so I don't really have much. But I, there is a way where you can look at your incoming, which what is whoever's added me to, to their circle, I can see what they're putting out. And so I, I'm, and that's when I, when I say I'm looking at all these things and I don't know what we're talking about. As far as these people can be potential um, clients, I, I guess that's possible. To me, this social networking seems to be a little bit more about the, the personal touch um, and about, okay, well, I know you through this person, so that's why I'll, be, I'll become a client. But if I'm just going to be some random person and I'm just randomly posting, it seems like I don't really want to invest that kind of energy. For example, a blog, they know that they're going to get all this information from you, whereas with with a a Google Plus stream, it just sort of pops out sort of at random. And I'd rather... I'd rather be, you know, if someone's going to look for for a certain topic, they find something about, for example, divorce. I do family law. So they find an article that I've, I put on divorce. They're already receptive to listening to what I have to say as opposed to when they're, you know, they, something pops up in their stream somehow and they know me but they kind of don't really know me. Their blockers are going to be up a little bit. They're, they're, they're not going to be so receptive to listening to what I have to say. So, again, I'm, I'm a little bit weary of, of, of Google Plus in terms of, uh, of, of if, am I going to focus my energy on that I feel like in terms of the, of the marketability aspect, I don't really see what the difference is between Facebook and Google+. People that know me will listen to what I'm saying, and hopefully they can share that information. But it seems to me like this stuff is a primer for having a layer of contacts that are going to then, you know, when they have a friend that has a question, they're going to refer me as opposed to having someone who's directly going to come to me for business. Okay. Well, and I guess, Ryan, what are your thoughts on to get the most out of Google+, Plus, either for networking or perhaps getting business, how much is sharing versus how much is listening? Well, I think that it's important to remember that all these, these networks are, are, not, are, are meant to engage with people and to interact and not to just broadcast. So, you know, you definitely want to share often. Uh, we, know, we know we have a lot of data about how sharing on Facebook leads to, to more fans and more engagement. There isn't that kind of data for Google Plus yet because it's, it's relatively new, so no one's really done the, the study. But there's no reason to think it's going to interact or it's going to work any different than the other social networks you've seen in the past. So it's definitely important to, to broadcast good information and then to, to also reply to other people's content. So interact with people who you want to interact with or you want to bring into your, your client base. Or if there's another lawyer that, that you, you share a, a common practice with, to, to have a, a public a conversation with them about something that would bring you more fans and more people following. But also, it's important to remember you're not creating content specifically for these networks, right? So if you, if you write a blog, to have the ability to syndicate it over, over Google+, Google+ or Facebook or Twitter, is a great way to get it read in a way that people don't really follow blogs in the same way. Um, although there's a lot of professional blogs you read every day, um, you, know, you don't get them pushed to you in the way that you get your, your social network sort of comes to you without, without even trying. Mm-hmm. Ryan, I wanted to ask you, too, about one of the things that's gotten some buzz on Google+, is the Hangout function. Can you explain that to us and tell us if you've seen professionals use that in a meaningful way? So basically the Google Hangout function is an ability to video uh, Hangout with people who follow you. Um, and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool, actually. It's, it's a way to have multiple video conversations and when, whenever the person is talking uh, with the person that it, it zooms in on so it kind of understands where the conversation is going. 
It's pretty interesting. Uh, in terms of how I would use it in a, in a professional way, there was a like Newt Gingrich. You know, he's he's running for president, and he's mm-hmm. he's used Google Hangout to to have a conversation with with random constituents. Uh, and and basically, when you do that, you just sort of go to your Google Plus and you click host a Hangout, and then you wait, and then people join you, and then you can have a conversation. It would be weird. It's not a great. It's not like UStream or LiveStream, where it's a great way to handle large amounts of people asking questions. So if you were doing to do a Q and A about some uh, uh, law-related topic, you know, you're pretty limited to how many people can participate. I think it's only eight in a Hangout. So it's not a situation where um, you'd be able to broadcast to a lot of people. But if you're looking to have a small kind of focused discussion uh, surrounding a certain topic, it would be it would be helpful. But again, it's limited to the amount of people that you can broadcast to. Derek. Since we're talking about sharing, I wanted to ask you, with your privacy concerns, down the road, how do you think Google Plus will be used with e-discovery? Well, I, I think it's not so much how it will be used, but uh, it's just going to be discoverable information that you're creating. And I mean, when first thinking about this topic, I thought if a law firm or a, a solo practitioner were using it successfully to reach out to to clients or to keep in touch with past clients, there's always, you know, my fear then that when they reach out to you through that that system, say, hey, I got a problem, or, you know, Mark said he does family law, so you have someone you handled their divorce and then the custody issue comes up a couple years later, and they reach out to you because they're in your circle of, of clients. And they say, hey, you know, my jerk spouse is trying to take my kid to spring break and we already have plans. Can you help me out? You know, he's such a jerk, blank, 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 blank. Now, all of a sudden, you have a discoverable piece of information. You can argue that there's attorney-client privilege there, but that's a harder and harder argument to make because it's just no expectation of privacy on a social networking site like this. And that's just one example of what everything that's generated on there is potentially discoverable in a foreseeable litigation. And so if you have I – mean, and I think probably these guys uh, have each heard of plenty of cases now where Facebook evidence is huge in civil and criminal. And it, it's pretty much become part of a template in, in every discovery request. Give me your Facebook page or at least the portions of it relevant to this lawsuit. And so we're just generating more and more discoverable information that has to be exchanged in lawsuits and also can be discovered uh, in investigations and criminal cases. And I have a a pet issue, too, that you can actually civil subpoena to Google or Facebook or Twitter, and they, uh, they have to hand it over unless it's a communication and, the, right. and no one's not no one's sure what communication is. The Stored Communications Act is outdated, so now we have all these different ways of sharing that aren't just email or what we've traditionally thought is a communication. And these companies don't even know what to do. You know, sometimes they share it, sometimes they don't. Their policy changes every day, and so in a lawsuit, it's just a mess of potential evidence that could be really important to the outcome. Right. Well, what it does is it creates a record, for better or for worse. 
So, you, you know, if you want to have an idea of, well, when did I take this vacation, you know, you, you know when you – because there, there are the, the photos and you know when you posted it so you have, have a good idea. And yep. if you're saying that your back is hurting from this car accident and there you are <laughs> water skiing, then what are you going to do? Exactly. <laughs> so. so, Ryan, what do you think of these concerns? You know, I, I think that they're, they're, they're definitely real concerns. Um, you know, one thing that we see, we see quite often is, is people uh, not understanding what's public and what's private on their social pages, uh, from, from congressmen down to, to teachers. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't go a day or two without reading about this. So it's, it's a real concern, and people need to understand the, the world we live in and, and that when we live publicly, when we live public lives on these social networks, that, that probably lasts forever. It probably is not going to be something you can delete and take away when you, when, when you want to. Uh, so that's something to, to really keep in mind. Well, and I'm curious, when you're advising clients, do you tell them, when you're writing this, just assume that people you may not want to see it could see it, so be very cautious of what you put out? I, I always assume whenever I put something on the Internet, it will be seen by the, the, the one person that I don't want it to be seen by. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's got to be the way you think. Well, it concerns me that uh, Facebook and G+, talk about privacy settings and I think it's a little misleading to most people. So you set your privacy settings to control who can see what. I think what most folks don't understand or at least a large percentage of maybe less legally sophisticated people is that's just controlling what that social networking site is going to give access or to whom it's going to give access. It's really not doesn't have anything to do with what they'll share if the government asks or what they'll share if they get a discovery request and a piece of litigation or a civil subpoena. Uh, recently, when the Department of Justice asked for all of the information from Twitter, Google, uh, and I forget the third person, regarding uh, Julian uh, Assange, yeah, that was not even a subpoena. It was it was an investigatory demand. It was they didn't have to comply, and I think everyone but Twitter just handed it over because it was from the DOJ. And if you look at the terms and conditions, they can't—they—they reserve the right to do that. And your privacy settings have no bearing on that. And, and so I—I'm troubled by you know every time the New York Times puts something on that you know Facebook has tightened their security settings. Uh, I'm sorry, their privacy settings. That it's just—it's a misleading statement. That being said, I don't want to be all one-sided. I did, you know, I'm looking at, at Google Plus's privacy uh, policy. It's improving. I think there's a point where we could reach where um, there there are things that can be done that would be a lot uh, better for everyone's privacy rights. We're just not there yet. And while they're making money on selling our information, they're not going to do it willingly. I have a question for all of you. Ultimately, how do you think Google Plus will be used? by lawyers. Uh, Ryan, do you want to go ahead and start? You know, I think it'll be, it'll be used in a, in a similar way uh, to, to the way that Facebook brand pages are used for, for, for lawyers, or, uh, and I think probably less of an information uh, gathering source and, and broadcast medium than Twitter is, because um, it sort of falls in the middle of those two things. But, you know, I don't think Google Plus is a radical departure from the functionality we've seen uh, in, the, in these prior two offerings. And I'm curious, do you ever see Google Plus replacing LinkedIn? That LinkedIn seems to be a site that lawyers, who, as you well know, tend to be risk adverse, are comfortable with. In LinkedIn's, uh, what, at 110 million users, um, so it's pretty solid. It's got a solid foundation, and, and I still get requests occasionally for it. 
you know, I don't know that it will, Google Plus will replace them. I mean, they're, they're at 25 million, and, and the vast majority of those people have not been back since the day they signed up. So there just isn't that sort of critical mass that there is on LinkedIn at this point. I see. And Mark, how do you think Google Plus will be used in ultimately? I, I think for me, um, I think that Google Plus, uh, if I were to invest the time, and as a solo attorney, the problem is, is that I, I have so many things that I have to do that it's difficult for me to, to sit down and focus. But if I were to use Google Plus for its maximum effect as I see it, I would, you know, put all my clients in one circle, put all my, you know, opposing attorneys in another circle, or um, and put all my, you know, lawyer contacts in another circle, and use it to maintain to maintain relationships with the, those various groups. So if I wanted to send something just to former clients, saying, you know, here's some advice keep this in mind about this issue, uh, just so that I stay relevant in their life, then that's what I would do. If if I had a particularly good success at trial or whatever it is, uh, maybe I'll broadcast that just to my, you know, other attorneys that I know so that they, you know, see me in some other professional esteem. It seems like Google Plus is on the opposite end of a a website in terms of a website is one massive broadcast and you're focusing one message to as many people as possible, whereas Google Plus and social media in general is more, uh, fractured, um, fracturing of, of the message. I mean, the whole idea is I can control what I say and to who, who hears it. And so it's really about managing how people view me as a professional. Okay. And Derek, how do you think Google Plus will be used ultimately? Putting aside my cynicism, I, I am intrigued by it because I think where Facebook falls down is they haven't quite figured out how to allow people to have the control to only share with certain groups and so I think the circles will be its success or its failure and if it catches on I could imagine using it in a way where you blend the professional and the personal in a way that you can control so that your message is really getting through uh, and and so that your identity as an individual who likes running and this wine and and goes to plays and your professional identity as a litigator in Chicago or New York can be blended in a way you can control where you're really getting through to people uh, in a way that they'll really listen. And and I think Mark's point about the time it takes is the biggest one. I mean, it seems like the tools are there with Google Plus to do a really good job of social media marketing, but are you willing to put in the time to make it work? We'll see. I have a comment on on, on what Derek just said. I, I kind of disagree a little bit because I don't view I have a you know, I have a, a professional Google account and I have a personal Google account and I really try not to blend the two. I don't really want my clients to see me I mean of course I want them to see me as as a human being and when they come into office they see pictures of my family and I'll tell them you know about you know what I like to do but I don't really like to inundate them with some of the the wacky you know things I might I might put on my my personal page where like I found some a really funny video of 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 a cat or whatever it is I, you know I think that I, I that I'm I don't I feel like I, I, I think I think we agree. I mean, I, I'm saying it would give you the tool to selectively blend it. You right. know, if you want to share, here's all of a sudden here's something that I could share with two circles when ordinarily it would only be my friends. You are you have one platform to do that and give that little spice of personality to your clients when 90% of that personal stuff they're never going to see. Right. If we trust Google to keep it all segregated forever. Right. Right. 
All right. Well, that's everything I have. I want to thank you all so much for your time. We really appreciate it. This podcast was brought to you by the ABA Journal. For more podcasts on the legal issues of the day, visit us online at abajournal.com or subscribe for free to the ABA Journal podcast on iTunes.